This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today, we are talking about Nutella. Or Nutella. We're going to discuss the pronunciation, right? We are. We are. Thank and God. we should also say that we are taping this episode remotely. And by it remotely, I mean like extra remotely. Extra remotely. Extra remotely. In that I am in Seattle and Matthew is in Tokyo. Oh, and believe me, you're going to hear about that later in the episode when we get to segments. Okay. Uh, so anyway, happy December, everybody. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, nothing says December like some uh, hazelnut chocolate spread. Uh, that's true. Nothing. Also, nothing says <laughs> December like teenager of the show December, who uh, <laughs> as, of, as of this December will no longer be a teenager. Oh, my. What are we going to call them? Oh, uh, I, uh, my, uh, I was going adult ACOTS child? D. Yeah, a, adult child of the show, December ACOTS D. Okay. <laughs> I, think, okay. I think they're okay with that. I'll check. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, today we're talking about Nutella. I first encountered this stuff when I... Wait, question. Is this memory lane? No, this is memory lane. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was highly clarified. disoriented for a moment okay. there. So when I was in eighth grade, my cousin Sarah was uh, in her junior year of high school, and she spent, I think, all of that year with a host family in uh, northern Germany. Okay. Like the Black Forest? I do not know German geography at all. I don't either, but I do okay, remember that, the it, Black that, Forest. that it was Schleswig-Holstein. Oh, you should have like said that. that in the first place. Everyone was Schleswig-Holstein. <laughs> okay. Anyway, this is a lovely family, and I adored everything that Sarah's host mom cooked. But what I really remember was the first breakfast. Wait, you were there too? Oh, well, so what I was going to say, I, sorry, I didn't finish the last uh, the last part of my my <laughs> my setting up of, of okay, the scene great. here. So spring break when I was in eighth grade, my oh. mom took me and my cousin Katie, who was Sarah's little sister. My mom took the two of us to go visit Sarah. Oh, a classic schleich, 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 spring break. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh-huh. And one of the things that I remember about eating with Sarah's host family is that they had crusty bread and Nutella at breakfast. Yes. And I'd never encountered Nutella before. I thought this was the most magical stuff. I mean, I thought it was mind-blowing that this was served at breakfast time. And this, I hope we get into this when we talk about the product, because like, I feel like this took place back when Nutella was like a European thing, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I had never heard of it before. And to this day, I still, I still think of Nutella as a German thing. Although as we're going to discuss, it's Italian all the way. Oh, I don't think I, I think when you said that I was, I, my thought was, oh, it must be Swiss. I don't know why. No, although I will say, so after that trip to Germany, I remember we brought home Nutella. Like you, you couldn't buy it here yet, or not in Oklahoma okay, yeah, yeah, anyway. Of course. And then I remember when I was eighteen. So the summer after I graduated from high school, my cousin Katie, so the younger sister of Sarah, Katie and I did one of those like your rail pass you know, few week things in Europe. And we stayed at a youth hostel in Zurich that okay. I remember had this incredible like breakfast situation, all kinds of sliced cheeses and these hard crusty rolls and breakfast meats and single serving little oh, things sure. of Nutella. Like we have here of like Smucker's jam or like whipped. Oh yeah. No, like a peel off foil. That's right. Yeah. And I remember being like, that's Right. We have arrived. Like, we are in Europe now. We can have Nutella at breakfast. Yeah, in Europe, like all over Europe, the, the fountains in the in the public square right. run brown with Nutella. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know where I like to go for spring break? Oktoberfest. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. I've been sitting on that joke for like four minutes. Like this is not even funny, but no, I, 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 it has no. to come out of my it has to come out of my mouth, or I'm going to be thinking about it the rest uh, of the is, show. Is, um, is this like in the Southern Hemisphere Oktoberfest? I was thinking that too. Like in, okay. in Australia, I'll ask my my uh, my uh, singing teacher Doug lives in Australia. I'll ask him if they celebrate Oktoberfest in, in the springtime, um, April. Terrific. Okay, Matthew, what what about you? When when did you first encounter this stuff? Uh, can I say one more thing about Oktoberfest? Uh, no. I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and we uh, we often went to the Mount Angel Oktoberfest, which was like a it was an Oktoberfest in a small town outside of Portland, and it was held in September. And I this just blew my mind when I was a kid. You could celebrate Oktoberfest in September. What even made you think of Oktoberfest in the first place? Oh, because uh, you said Germany and. You said going for spring break to Germany, and that made me think of like spring break and drinking beer, and that made me think of Oktoberfest. Okay. okay. <laughs> also, I don't usually drink coffee, but I sure drank coffee before this this taping this morning. So that's what you're going to get out of me. Oh, you are extra zingy. That's right, people. I've got zing. I've got zip. I've got pizzazz. <laughs> do you have any? Any? Do you have a zest for life? <laughs> I think I may have a zest for life. <laughs> oh my God, our listeners are not going to recognize you. You sound so happy. Uh, <laughs> don't I usually sound happy? You do, you do. And no, you, ex- um, you sound extra happy today. I have, a, I have a bag of mandarin oranges in the fridge. That's my zest for life. Cool. Yeah. Oh, my memory lane. Okay, Yeah. so... I I definitely encountered Nutella like sometime like maybe in my early 20s, not in Europe, just like when it started to to like trickle into the U.S. And so I definitely had it before December was born, but they were a 
big fan of Nutella from a young age. So that's when we started keeping it in the house. And we still Where did they do. first encounter it? I, I think I just like brought it home, like on the on the idea that like maybe this is something this kid will eat. Ah, okay. So and and they sure did. So now we, I still, I still always keep it in the house, and I will often have, uh, I'll make two pieces of toast or two halves of an English muffin, and put peanut butter on one and Nutella on the other, and then like decide in the moment which one I'm going to eat first. And, and so this that's, is always that's at breakfast the, time. The biggest excitement of my week. Yes, always at breakfast time. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Now, before we go any further, we've, we've got to address the pronunciation issue. Please. So f- what I'm learning from Wikipedia is that in the U.S., it's primarily pronounced Nutella. And I hear that a lot, but I always say Nutella. Well, I think that that, at least according to Wikipedia, is the UK pronunciation, like the British English pronunciation. Okay. And then I- I'm almost positive that in Italy, and when I encountered it, in Germany, I think it was a new sound as opposed to a sense. nuh sound. But I, I don't think there's as much of an emphasis put on the second syllable. Yeah, I don't think they have a nuh sound in, in Italian. Like, have you ever heard an Italian person say nuh? <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. Uh, if we have any any listeners who have heard an Italian person say no, nah. <laughs> yes. not we don't want to hear from any Italian listeners. No, no, we just want to hear no. from the people standing next to them, overhearing them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. So, what is this stuff, Matthew? Uh, you you a minute ago said something. You like were very clear about the fact that it's brown, and I, I love. I could not be more clear about the fact that this is brown. <laughs> Love that you said that because Wikipedia describes it as a brand of quote brown sweetened hazelnut cocoa spread. <laughs> okay, a classic brown brand. <laughs> yeah. um, when we got Gilbert, uh, the way that like the puppies were differentiated from one another in the litter is that from like an early age, there was like a little color. Uh, they were assigned a color and a ribbon oh, of that okay. color was tied around their neck. Uh, this is the beginning of a horror story about a, a puppy with a green ribbon. <laughs> no. Oh, oh, and if you if if you untie it, the puppy's head falls off. OK, <laughs> that's right. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Literary, no, uh, literary jokes. <laughs> Anyway, Gilbert was, his color was brown. And so every now and then when we reminisce about Gilbert, when he was just a little, a little puppy, we refer to him as brown. Like, oh, that's delightful. Which one do you wish you had chosen instead? Well, I think that originally we really wanted black or light blue, I think, but Mm, they were all claimed by the time we got there. Okay. So we went with brown. Uh, and we made absolutely the right choice. All this to say, Nutella is brown. Yeah. So uh, here's the deal. It is manufactured by the Italian company Ferrero, uh, which a lot of people know as the maker of Ferrero Rocher, the little like hazelnut truffle things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. I think of these as like a candy that I used to think was fancy when I was a kid. Exactly. Exactly. I remember, um, I remember at some point, like in my 20s, I remember somebody being somebody I knew being given like a 12 pack of Ferrero Rocher at Christmas oh, time and they thought it was the coolest roller. thing ever, right? Yeah, I did not know this was the same is the same company that makes Nutella. That's exactly right. And I was really interested uh, or, or surprised in some ways when doing this research to find that the product is still made by Ferrero. Uh, okay. And 
I'm not seeing anywhere that Ferrero is owned by like some bigger conglomerate, which I think is a little unusual these days. I think so too. Uh, do you remember when we were kids, there was like a food conglomerate called Beatrice that bought a bunch of food companies and then put on TV commercials about how you should be happy that your brand, the brand you love has been bought by Beatrice Foods. And I remember the jingle from these absolutely nonsense commercials. Sing it, Matthew. <laughs> Beatrice, you've known us all along. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> it, it, it made no sense then. It make, makes no sense to me now. Okay. Okay. Nutella has been around since 1964 and has always been made by Ferrero. And in fact, the product itself was created by Ferrero and the founder and the, the family that still runs it, as far as I can tell, is the Ferrero family. Okay. I have a question. So yeah. when you eat a Ferrero Rocher, which I haven't in a while, I sort of imagine it being like a crispy ball on the outside and then like a cream on the inside. That or is it crispy on the right. inside also? I feel like it might have some crispies on the inside. Okay, then this then then this ruins the bit because because I was wondering if uh, if they got Nutella by like scooping the insides out of a bunch of Ferrero Rochers and putting it in a jar. Uh, we're going to get there. We're going to find out. Okay, we're going to find out. Okay, so before we can talk about Nutella, I want to do a little sort of background on the concept of like hazelnut and chocolate blended together into a paste. Okay, so uh, this is called janduja. That's the Italian word for it. Yes. I'm sure that pretty much all of us have seen the word gianduja like at a gelato shop, right? Yes, that's exactly what came to mind. Yeah. So gianduja uh, is just a, a blend of chocolate with hazelnut paste. Basically, in its earliest form, it was chocolate that was stretched with hazelnut paste or hazelnut butter. Okay, when you say stretched, yeah. do you mean like increased in like bulked up or do you That's, mean stretched like taffy? I mean it bulked up. And here's <laughs> okay. here's the deal. Okay. So, we're going to talk now about the Napoleonic Wars. Matthew. Oh, I I figured we would. Yeah, no episode so is complete glad. without a visit from everybody's favorite emperor? Emperor. Napoleon um, Bonaparte. Abby, could you please uh, play the Napoleonic Wars theme song here, segment <laughs> theme song? <laughs> Thanks. Okay. So Janduja was invented in Turin, which is a, a town in uh, the Piedmont region of Northwest Italy. Okay. So it was invented there sometime between 1796 and 1814. The reason they even thought to do it is that during the time of the Napoleonic Wars, so like early 1800s, Napoleon basically uh, tried to put the squeeze on the British Empire oh, by embargoing. That guy was always putting the squeeze <laughs> on by things. Em embargoing all their goods. Uh, this was called either the Continental System or the Continental Blockade. Okay. But there was a shortage of cocoa in Europe. I, I don't really understand this. Maybe it's because most cocoa came in through like British, like the British Empire. That makes sense. So any ports that were controlled by the French at this time would not receive anything from the British Empire. And so within Europe, in all these ports controlled by the French, uh, there were shortages in all kinds of goods that usually would come from Britain. And I guess cocoa was one of them. 
All right. So, uh, so there was this chocolate maker in Turin who only had like a little bit of chocolate and he needed to make it go further. So what he did was he took like a, a very uh, abundant local commodity and that's hazelnuts. All right. And he ground them up into a, this kind of oily paste and used that to basically make the little bit of chocolate he had go further. And this was Janduya. Okay. So that couldn't have been the first thing he tried, right? What do you think were the combinations <laughs> that he rejected? I'm going to guess number one, plaster of Paris. Okay. Um, Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Number number two. Um, chalky. Very chalky, though. <laughs> number two, uh, sidewalk chalk. chalk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so. Number three, here- barley. <laughs> okay. Hold on. So the name Janduya, it comes from a. Like oh, it's a- Italian for John Dory. It's a character. <laughs> oh, wait, okay, it's, wait, wait. So, so my, so my, my joke is is like too close to the truth. Uh, maybe. Wh- who is John Dory actually, other than a fish? That is, I, as I was saying it, I was like, I don't know. I just know it's a fish. <laughs> okay. Anyway, all right. John so Dory the- fought in the Napoleonic Wars, or possibly the Punic Wars. I don't know. Okay. So, uh, in Piedmont. Uh, there was a like carnival character and a marionette character that was called <laughs> that that were just, just wandered around town bothering people. Wait, the, this character's <laughs> name was Janduya, and and he was said to represent like the archetype of a Piedmontese citizen. Okay. Okay. And so what uh, characteristics did John Duya have that made him so, so very Piedmont? Maybe he was just full of hazelnuts. Wait, was he the star of the of the uh the TV series Piedmontia? <laughs> it was just like a bunch of sketches about like you know, people yeah, with you know, in Piedmont are always doing this. That's right. So uh so that's where the name John Duya comes from, from this character in like Piedmontese culture named Janduya. Okay. Uh, so something I didn't know is that Janduya can be consumed as bars. Like it can be molded like regular chocolate. It's just a little I've softer. I've had that for sure. Yeah. It's a little softer because of the hazelnut oil. Or it can be, of course, a filling for chocolates. And it can be in uh, either like a milk version or a plain version, which I guess would be a little bit more like dark chocolate. All right. So this is the original concept behind Nutella and other chocolate hazelnut spreads. And the big difference, of course, is that these spreads are uh, spreadable. I was going to say, how do they make it spreadable? uh, Well, in part, it's through vegetable oils and stabilizers. And also, so anyway, what makes like Janduya different from Nutella and commercial hazelnut chocolate spreads is that the latter, these spreads, use cocoa powder and vegetable oils, whereas Janduya just uses cocoa butter-based chocolate. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, oh no, I deleted I deleted oh, the portrait oh. of, of Pietro Ferrero. Okay, okay, listeners, I want you to hear what Molly did to me here. Uh, she wrote in the agenda, "Behold, Pietro Ferrero. In this portrait, he appear, appears both sad and vaguely menacing. Portrait oh. omitted." Oh, God. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to pull it up. Please. Send me this bad boy. I want to see the bad boy. Okay. My breath is baited. Oh, I see, I see Molly's cursor. <laughs> okay, reload There's your page. Gonna be pa- oh, wow. Okay. So Doesn't we're going to link to this. and vaguely menacing? Yeah, we're, we're going to link to this in the show notes. Yeah, he's like like uh, like a sad man with, with like, you know, fits of anger. 
<laughs> like when things aren't going well in the factory. Like, no, I'm sure I'm sure working at the candy factory in the 40s was great. Yeah. I, I yeah. take back what I just said. I'm sure the children working there had a good old time. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got you can borrow appliances like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling you can borrow it no charge uh-huh so like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post meeting drink you can bring your pet you, totally allowed oh I love this oh I see they even have special pet items you can yep. use and they have the built-in alpha closet system nothing makes me happier <laughs> when I am traveling and I have like a place to put away my clothes mm-hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes nobody wants to see nobody, that nobody yeah so like a whole closet system where I can really like unpack for reals I am down well this is made for you then and this is town place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. This episode is brought to you by Masterclass. Masterclass is the website that takes you from that thing you've always wanted to learn to learning that thing. Well, and you can learn it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. Oh, come on. Really the best in the world? Yeah. Like, remember I watched those videos with uh, with Steph Curry on, like, you know, how to have proper, like, basketball shooting form and That's stuff. That's right. You And you have been sinking so many threes <laughs> since then. It's ridiculous. I just can't stop. Um, okay. Well, I took... Took a class with Hans Zimmer, film composer. Maybe you've heard of <laughs> movies such as The Lion King. Mm. Maybe you've heard of Gladiator, yep. The Dark Knight. Dune. He did all of those. I loved And Dune. now he's teaching me how to do it. Like the art of making Has people feel to things. This? To, to teach me? Yeah. Yeah, because, because I've got a master class subscription. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know, Matthew, I also hear that if you want to take a class, say, from like Alice Waters or Thomas Keller or even like Yotam Orolengi, you can get essentially what are like private lessons. Now, granted, they're they're. They're on masterclass. Yes. But private lessons. He from right. Odalengi doesn't come to your house, That's but right. virtually he does. That's right. So Masterclass makes all of this possible. And you get unlimited access to the very world's best teachers. And you will get 15% off an annual membership right now at masterclass.com slash spilled milk fifteen. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash spilled milk fifteen. Masterclass.com slash spilled milk one five. I know you love it when I do corporate history. So are you yes, ready? Yes, I do. Okay, here we go. So Pietro Ferrero uh, was a candy and chocolate maker in the town of Alba, which is also in Piedmont. Um, oh, okay. And he opened what Wikipedia refers to as like a laboratory to create sweets and things in 1942. Okay. And of course, this was in the middle of World War II, as you may know. And his company. Yeah, this sounds like this laboratory was like secretly making munitions or chemical weapons or something, right? Well, they were probably making them out of hazelnuts because sure. that was the like the widely available. That was like a very widely available and very low cost uh, raw material for him to use. Yeah. Did you see the the episode of, of uh, Piedmontia where, where they invent the <laughs> hazelnut gun? <laughs> 
You are never allowed to have coffee before we tape ever again. <laughs> You're fired. Okay, hold on. That was good, though. I did like that. Yeah, okay, great. Okay, hold on. So uh, according, uh, th- this is straight from Wikipedia. Okay, so Pietro, who, you know, lived close to the, the town of Turin, he had often watched the workers there go to work, and he had begun to try to, like, brainstorm a sweet alternative, so something he could produce with his company that could replace the bread and tomatoes that these workers would take with them to work. Now, I'm not sure why. Pause, pause. Okay, okay. First of all, this is this is exactly what I imagine CEOs are like. That that like he he doesn't have anything to do, so he's sitting like looking out the window, like ah, my workers coming to my factory. Like, how can I make them buy my products? No, these are workers in a different town. And he's so, like, wait, so how is he watching them? Well, because he had previous. So Matthew, I omit, I omitted part of his history where he had opened a pastry shop in Turin and it failed. Okay? okay, And then he moved back to Alba, which I think is where he was from. But as he was, you know, running this factory, making sweets in Alba, he was reflecting upon the workers he'd seen uh-huh. in Turin. Okay. And he was thinking like these poor saps eating bread and tomatoes. I got to find a way to sell food. something to them. Like, can, can't we get mm-hmm. them to eat candy for lunch instead? That's right. That's exactly right. Yes. That's exactly what, what okay. industrialists are like. Yeah, all right. How can we do bad things? Right. Okay, so uh, this is how he invents the stuff that came to be called Nutella. Uh, he wanted it to be substantial, but also affordable. Substantial in the sense that it could sustain a a, a hard laboring worker. Yes. Throughout the day. So this became like his mission. And, uh, and available Wikip- in the form of a paste. So it could just be dispensed directly into the worker's mouth so they wouldn't have to take a break. He uh, apparently worked on this nonstop, according to Wikipedia. And even at night, <laughs> trying different <laughs> doughs to find the <laughs> ideal recipe. His wife, Wait, Piera. Do, we, do you say doughs? Yeah, that's what Wikipedia says. <laughs> what? Well, uh, you know, like, <laughs> how is a dough involved? <laughs> well, a paste, a, a stuff. Okay, all right. A, 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 a non-Newtonian fluid. You, you yeah, could, yeah, okay. You could poke your finger in it, but if you slapped it, it was hard. Have you ever slapped slapped the Nutella? <laughs> <laughs> I have. Just. Happy <laughs> <laughs> you are. Absolutely insane. Today. We're we're gonna record remotely like at the same time next week, and it's gonna be just as bad. <laughs> Jesus, dude. Okay, I have places to be. Could you just okay. let me finish this? All right. Yes. This is and this is an important history lesson. It is. Okay. Okay. So uh, you know he's 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 working really hard and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm literally just laughing. I didn't even say anything. Anyway, in 1946, after four years of working on this product, he launched this like stuff onto the market and called it past. (laughs) (laughs) Matthew. He said he launched this stuff onto the market. That's funny. Anyway, he called it pasta janduja. It was a mixture that was like packaged like a solid block in aluminum foil. And you could like transport it, cut it and spread it on bread. So it was like a thick cream. Okay. okay? This just sounds like drugs. It was designed precisely like for these workers, right? Yes. 
So uh, he made a little bit. It was a huge success. And it was especially a big success among like kids, which somehow he mm. hadn't expected. Uh, Wikipedia says it but turned out it, to be- But was it the kids working at the factory? I think you're going to really like how Wikipedia phrased this. Okay. It turned out to be a cheap dessert for children's snacks and gluttony. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyway, so like if a kilo of chocolate at that time was 3,000 lira, this was 600 lira for a kilo. Okay. Wow. So, okay. so hazelnuts and vegetable oil really can stretch that chocolate a long way. That's right. So production, how like, many, you know. How many lira to the, do- to like a, like a, you know, two twenty twenty three dollar at that time? So anyway, uh, so production. <laughs> Okay. Just sitting there smiling to yourself. So production went went I mean, through I the roof. I wanted to know that, but okay. Well, I didn't look it up. Okay. Okay. Uh, production goes through the roof. Soon they've got like a hundred employees, and then soon they can't even produce this stuff like artisanally anymore. They got to like turn it into major factory stuff. And uh, anyway, he founded Ferrero in 1946, I think, to market this product in particular. Then he died three years later. How many years later? Like three years later. Okay. So on March 2nd, 1949, Pietro Ferrero died, perhaps suffering from a heart attack, exhausted, it is said, by the frenetic distribution activity that he personally carried out, driving his Topolino through the streets of Piedmont. And I looked up a Topolino. It's what we today call the Fiat 500. Okay. Is that the car that that the band Rush wrote a song about? Oh, I think it is. A Topolino? (laughs) Yeah. Do you think that means like top of the line? Oh, I I hadn't thought about it until you mentioned it, but I I think you're absolutely right. And looking at it, like this is a top of the line car. That's right. So anyway, you know, the company stays in the hands of the family and they develop a creamy version a couple years later in 1951. They call it Super Crema Janduya. Okay. Oh, so so like right up until Pietro died, it was still most it was still sold in brick form. That's exactly right. Yeah. And in 1951, they came up with a creamy version. Then in 1963, Michele Ferrero, who was Pietro's son, revamped it to market it throughout Europe. And the reformulated stuff was what he called Nutella. So I think up okay. to this point, you know, it was Super crema janduya. Okay, I have a so. question that you may not may or may not be able to answer, and then I have a fact. Uh, Great. The question is: Was this before or after they developed Ferrero Rochers? Oh, I bet it was. But I don't know. Actually, <laughs> I, don't I was going to say I bet it was before, but I don't know. Are we going to do a Ferrero Rocher episode now? I think we should. Yes. Okay. And we'll Abby, and we'll just tell the same the, list. the same story about Pietro Pietro Ferrero. Okay. Maybe I'll find some other pictures of him too. And I was asking earlier how many how many lira to the US dollar at that time. I don't have the answer to that, but right now 3000 Turkish lira equals 105 US dollars. Okay. So it Does that se- have anything to do with anything we've talked about? Not at all. <laughs> Great. Okay. So what is this stuff? Let's get down to it because... (laughs) Because, as you mentioned, you need to get out of here soon. I do. Uh, The main ingredients are sugar and palm oil. That makes up over 50% of it. That checks out. Yeah, that's before we even get to the hazelnuts or the cocoa. Uh, Hazelnuts are roughly 13%. Then you've got cocoa solids and you've got skim milk. Under Italian law, this cannot be labeled chocolate cream because it doesn't meet like minimum cocoa solids criteria. 
I wonder, does it say chocolate on it like in the U.S.? So what mine says is- Oh, you got some with you? Great. Oh, it says the original hazelnut spread. Ah. Uh, and here it says hazelnut spread with cocoa. Okay. Ferrero uses 25% of the global supply of hazelnuts. Wait, what? Yes. Ferrero, the company, uses 25% of the global supply of hazelnuts. And it, it doesn't all go to Nutella, but okay. the company as a whole for their products use a quarter of all the world's hazelnuts. We should we should take a moment to mention how much we like the uh, the Trader Joe's uh, chocolate with 30% whole hazelnuts bar. Milk we chocolate. Should. Yeah, it's good stuff. Has nothing to do with Ferrero, but... I mean, maybe. I don't know. Maybe they make it behind the scenes and then Trader Joe's puts their private label on it. Maybe. You know, basically, yeah, this stuff is uh, is uh, it, it, at this point, it kind of doesn't have very much to do with like original like Piedmontese Janduja, which would have been like 70 or which is like 70 percent hazelnut paste and like 30 percent chocolate. Yeah, if we were like YouTubers, we would probably do a video where we we get like a brick of real Piedmontese John Duya and then like eat it with some Nutella and, and mm -hmm. decide which one's better, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know how YouTube works. I don't either. I don't maybe maybe listener of the show Kenji uh yeah. wants He's to big, do that. Big on YouTube, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Nutella is made in like lots of different facilities around the world and ingredients and like the the relative quantities of ingredients varies a bit country to country. Okay. I bet the American one has more sugar. I didn't find an exact statistic on it, but the North American market, the, the Nutella for the North American market is made both in Ontario, Canada and in Mexico. Okay. So I'm kind of guessing that whatever they have in Canada is the same as what we have yeah, that here, makes sense. Yeah. Except it has French on the label. That's right. So yeah, this stuff contains sugar, modified palm oil, hazelnuts, cocoa powder, skim milk powder, whey powder, which is to stabilize the emulsion, uh, soy lecithin, uh, which is also to emulsify and keep it from separating and make do, it nice and spreadable. How do they get it so smooth? Like, do they just like grind it really finely or do they also like push it through a, through a screen? You know, I probably could have pushed further in my research to find that. The Wikipedia description of how it's made did not get into how they make it so smooth. We should like industrial espionage our way into the Nutella factory. We should. We absolutely should. Or Mexico. Uh, I think you might find it interesting what they do with the hazelnuts. I, I'm uh, they, sure I will. They go through two rounds of quality control. Okay. So when they arrive at the processing plant, this thing called a guillotine, that is what Wikipedia <laughs> calls it, uh, okay. is used to chop the nuts so that they can quality control inspect the interior of the nuts. Okay. Then after that, they're cleaned and they're roasted. And then, this is the part you're really going to like, a second quality control comes via a computer-controlled blast of air. <sighs> which removes bad nuts from the batch. Okay, if you don't have that an explanation would. for how that works, I, I'm, I'm sending you back to the, to the journalist. I don't have an explanation. I, it, it's so baffling to me. And I, I they suppose- use, They use computer air to blow away bad nuts? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Okay. It's a computer controlled blast of air and it removes the bad nuts. 
Okay, wait, wait. I think I genuinely know what this means, sort okay. of. So okay. it's it, the air is not deciding which are the bad notes. It's <laughs> oh, really? They're 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 using like some other like you know method of of like sampling or or oh, and, spectroscopy <laughs> or something, and, and to to identify the bad nuts. And the air is just used to blast them off of the production line. You know, but, but I want to see this. We I joked earlier about someone inventing the hazelnut gun, and this is it. <laughs> this is it. It's a computer controlled <laughs> blast of air. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is that is cool. Like we we need to go onto YouTube and see if there's if there's like an inside the Nutella factory video because I bet there is. I want to see I want to see these these nuts get blasted. So Matthew, I bought a jar, uh, which oh um, great, which child of the show or preteen of the show really, uh, June is very excited about. Um, oh, Pitachi. She's, she's been eating it for breakfast every morning. On sure. Toast. You've got some uh, on a butter knife there. I've got some on a knife, and I'm I'm gonna lick it. Okay. I'm excited. I don't have any. Mm. It tastes like Europe to me. Does it taste like Europe to you? Um, I don't remember. I have been to Europe a couple times. Well, to England a couple times and to France once. And I don't remember if I had it there or not. So not really. I don't really have that association. My mm. favorite thing about Nutella is the texture, like how it's mm. creamy, but also kind of chewy. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that that chew. I love this flavor. Oh, yeah. Oh, I do love the flavor. No, no, but I was going to say, I love this flavor with like untoasted bread. Like a oh, crusty, interesting. Like a crusty white roll. Uh, okay, yeah, on yeah. Like a, like a, you know, European breakfast buffet. Or uh, you tear open a baguette and spread some Nutella on it. Like untoasted, crusty white bread. I almost never spread anything on untoasted bread. Why not? Wife of the show, Lori does. And maybe I should. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, so sweet, so sweet. And yet, I wouldn't want this product to be any different. Do you need to refrigerate Nutella? I don't. Mm-mm. Okay. You shouldn't refrigerate it. So the sugar makes it shelf stable. The palm oil in it is very resistant to going rancid. So it's not going to go bad. And if you refrigerate it, the nut fats will harden in the fridge. Oh, nut fats. Yeah, nut fats. Don't mess with them. You're, nut you're fats. doling out nut facts. Uh huh. Matthew, the last thing I want to say is, so we keep talking about eating this for breakfast. Mm -hmm. And in the U.S., Ferrero was actually sued for like linking Nutella in its advertising to the idea of a nutritious breakfast. Oh. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, they had to pay a settlement and make changes to their labeling and advertising because this is not part of a nutritious breakfast. This is part of a so delicious wait, breakfast. Now, now, like in their commercials, does, do they have to put up a thing that says not part of this complete breakfast? <laughs> That would be pretty great. You know, I wonder if if companies that say like part of this complete breakfast or part of your complete breakfast, do you think that it used to say like part of your nutritious breakfast and Probably. then they had to change it to be like more neutral, like complete? Maybe. I mean, like anything can be part of a complete breakfast if you start with a complete breakfast and then just add that thing <laughs> like superfluously. Motor oil, part of a motor complete oil breakfast. Is, is, is like among this complete breakfast. It's just <laughs> hanging out. Okay. Do we have anything that we want to say about like uses of Nutella uh, other than oh, what we've already discussed? That's a good question. Like I, I really only ever put it on toast or eat it directly out of the jar. Mm -hmm. Like I know, I know it, it figures in desserts, certainly sometimes mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. bar cookies. Mm -hmm. I've had a bar cookie made with a Nutella. Did you say made with a Nutella? <laughs> I did. Okay. 
you know, I know that, so I love Nutella, but I, I do just kind of want it on its own because I think part of what's so good about it is the texture. Right. And like it can, when, when used in baking, like it can, it can turn into like a, like a glue. Oh, it can. Yeah. I, I feel like, like I've had some Nutella things where it's like, okay, this is like too, too kind of like thick and gluey because of mm. the Nutella and I want it more on its own. Cause like okay. if you remove any more moisture from it, it's going to, it's going to be too thick. Yeah. And yeah. that's what baking will do. It will remove moisture. Ah, ah, heat will do that. Yes. Heat. Yeah. Matthew, you know what? We have some spilled mail. This is from listener Jennifer, who asks, Hi, I was just listening to your episode on supermarket lunches and was super obsessed with the M2M market that Matthew mentioned that he now lives only a few blocks away from. I just wanted any updates on that. Matthew shared his thoughts about how maybe one day it'd break his heart and go out of business, and I'm hoping that wasn't a foreshadowing. And was also wondering if you all would consider going there for breakfast or lunch one day for an episode. Maybe even just pick up something from there and then share your thoughts more deeply about the store, your most favorite spots in the store, etc. over the Pick up lunch. Thanks for the always fun food content, Jenny. Oh, love this. Jenny, I'm I'm delighted to report that MTAM is still very much in business. They when they opened, they said they would, would have an upstairs food court opening soon. That has not happened yet, I suspect, due to staffing issues. But not only is the store wonderful, but I feel like it keeps evolving. Like the lunch options keep changing. Like I, you know, see new products there all the time. It's an absolute delight. I would love to do a takeout lunch episode from there. Let's do it. It seems to me it could be a, a tricky place for us to record. Yeah, um, I don't think we'll, we'll record in the store, but we'll, we'll make some notes and then we'll, we'll talk about what we saw. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, thanks for the suggestion, Jenny. Thanks, Jenny. Yeah, like thanks for giving us the excuse to just like get, an, get a nice lunch and, and talk about it. Yeah. Matthew, what's your snacking? Hey, what's your snacking? You gotta tell me what you're snacking Or I'll release the Kraken So what you snacking What you snacking It is time for me to uh, drive you nuts with uh, Only in Japan stuff And it's it's gonna start out like mildly annoying And then it's gonna get worse in the next segment Okay, uh, great So I'm snacking on Nishoku Bitter Granola and this is an extremely bitter cacao granola, according to the label, uh, made with barley, oats, brown rice, whole wheat, soy, corn, almond, and dried cranberries. I was a little suspicious about how the dried cranberries would integrate in there, but they're really good. It is like kind of a regular granola with some dark chocolate cornflakes mixed in, and I am here for it. I need to go get the bag, though, because it's a beautiful bag, and there's something very funny written on it. Okay, I'll be right do back. it. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Oh, wow. That yeah, looks... Wife of the Show, Lori, picked this up for me at the uh, Kinokuniya import market, although it's not imported. Would you actually say that it is bitter? Is that is that a word you oh, would use yeah, for I it? Oh, yeah, I would. It's, it, it, uh, it's not very sweet. Um, okay. You can really taste the, the bitter cacao. There are two things on the bag I want to note that it says it has both a saku-saku and zaku-zaku texture. These are two different ways of descri describing crispy or crunchiness Ooh. in Japanese. Okay. Onomatopoeia. And then here at the end, it's got like their mascot is this little like top hat, like Monopoly man kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it says their slogan is boys eat granola. 
No wonder Lori bought it. Yeah. Okay, wait a minute, Matthew. Hold on. Yes. You can't you can't mention the, these like automatopoeia like crunchy terms without at least attempting to uh, like translate them for us. Okay, even though I'm is, sure they fair. maybe don't exist in okay. So English saku saku is like is like flaky crisp or like like the sound of like crunching snow kind of so that's that's like the flake part i think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and zaku zaku is it's like like a like more crunchy like like uh like a grape nuts kind of crunchy or like like a like a you know the oats toasted oats granola kind of crunchy okay so i think it is referring to that it's a mix of of flakes and oat clusters Okay. But saku to zaku zaku. Uh, that's amazing. Yes. Oh, I love that. Okay. Yeah. So that was really good. I wish we had more words like this. This is a a very special feature of the Japanese language that it has hundreds and hundreds of onomatopoetic words that are that are widely used and widely understood and are one of the most difficult things for Japanese language learners to pick up. Yeah, I imagine. I mean, I'm thinking, for instance, uh, of the difference between crispy and crunchy, which uh, are sort of the only two words we have that convey this yeah. this uh, sort of textural phenomenon. And I understand <laughs> Wait, the difference. Oh, sorry. Between- oh, textural. You, you broke up there for a second. I thought you said spectral phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw. Oh my I saw god! A there are so ghost. many, so many ghosts in my crystal. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, yeah. I mean, like crisp being like it's like thin and it has almost like a crackly quality, like a Lay's potato chip. Crunchy being more like an oat cluster kind yeah. of thing. But, but, but I, like, I, imagine I, if you could say that as saku saku to zaku zaku. Ah, uh, that would oh, be so much so better. Great. Yeah. Okay. okay. So uh, Nishoku Bitter Granola uh, available uh, at some small number of stores in Japan. Okay, perfect. And then you also have a Now But Wow. This is going to be my most annoying Now But Wow ever because it is a book available only in Japanese that will not even appeal to most Japanese speakers. Uh, So this book is called Nishiyogi Sampo. And uh, the last couple of times I've been in Japan, we have stayed in this lovely neighborhood called Nishiogikubo in Western Tokyo, which is a neighborhood known for antique shops and uh, like old school cafes and new school cafes and uh, Italian restaurants and for just being like a lovely place to take a stroll. So Nishiogi Sampo just means strolling in Nishiogikubo. And it was written and the book is written by uh, Masayo Meguro, who was born and raised in the neighborhood. But it's it's sort of a uh, it's it's a love letter to the neighborhood, and it the thing I love about it most is first of all, like he mentions like a hundred places we've been or walked by in the neighborhood. Like his love for the neighborhood comes through. He's an illustrator and has beautiful like like pencil illustrations throughout the book. And the thing I like best about it is it is not at all a book about how like the neighborhood used to be better like when I was young mm. and like you know here's here are the ways in which it's gone downhill. Like mm-hmm. clearly. Like, like elegy like, to right, this right. neighborhood. It's like, it's like that. this is a vibrant living neighborhood that is kind of at its best right now, even though he does have fond memories of like, you know, places that closed in the past. So why do you say that even most Japanese readers or speakers wouldn't be interested in it? 
it's literally just a book about some random neighborhood in Tokyo that if you don't have any connection to, like, it's hard for me to see, like, like what you would get out of this book necessarily. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know, I guess like if you if you like if if you imagine like, you know, I've only been to Paris for like a couple of days in my life. But if someone wrote a, a lovely book about like a neighborhood in Paris and how wonderful it is to to like live or visit there today, oh. I would enjoy that. Oh, yeah. And I will have done this by the time you hear this this episode. I went to my favorite tea cafe in the neighborhood, Saten, which uh, Molly has been there. It's uh, mm -hmm. where we got uh, hojicha latte, matcha lattes. Mm -hmm. And when I was there, there was a little uh, flyer on the counter for an upcoming event called the uh, Nishiogi Cha Sampo uh, next weekend. Cha Sampo is like tea walk. And the gist is you walk around the neighborhood and like 40 to 50 different local businesses are serving tea for free. You just like, you know, wander around. I don't know if there's going to be like a passport with stamps, but I certainly hope so. And uh, like they will they will serve you a little cup of tea uh, just just for coming into their shop. Oh, and you're going to do this. I've never been more excited about any event ever. Like, and I, on this brochure, it's like, you know, this is the kind of Kagoshima Sencha we'll be serving, like, at this bookstore or this stationery shop. Like, this was designed, like, just, just to make me happy. Oh, that makes me happy. Okay, so, uh, so there. So that's an event that will be over that you're not going to go to and a book that you're not going to read, uh, Nishiogi Sampo by uh, Masaya Meguro. Oh, thank you, Matthew. I'm going to go cry myself to sleep now. All right. Our producer is Abby Circatella. You can read Molly's Substack newsletter at mollyweisenberg.substack.com. It's called I've Got a Feeling, and I always get a great feeling when it arrives in my inbox. Oh, thanks. It's true. You can listen to Matthew's music like Everywhere Music Is. Look for his band Early to the Airport and also his other band, Twilight Diners. Yep. You can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Like, uh, you know, if you break into the Nutella factory uh, and people there are listening <laughs> to Spilled Milk, you can you can rate and review us there. Yeah, absolutely. No reason not to. The best way to get your podcasts is through espionage is what I'm saying. Yes, indeed. Thanks for listening to Spilled Milk, the show that is 100% stuff you can't actually eat. That is true. I mean, because you can't have any. Yeah, that's, that's right. But but like <laughs> if you have a factory and you want to and you want to uh, improve productivity, like put our show on really loud. Yeah. And, and feed your workers Nutella. I'm Matthew Amster Burton. And I'm Molly Weisenberg. We'll just cut this whole part out. That's fine. Can. Great. Great. Okay. okay. Abby will figure uh, it out. Abby will totally figure it out.